You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. All right, so last week we talked about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the sacred place where he is to, it's where anyone would expect God to install his kingdom because Jerusalem is God's house. This is where God's presence used to dwell. It's a a sacred place. A lot of times today we don't understand sacred place. Uh, We think like, you know, any place that you could go is exactly the same as any other place. But the Bible understood that some places we're actually more tangibly present with God's presence. That's why, like, when you look in the Old Testament, people, like, come in contact with God, and then what do they do after? Like, build an altar, or they name a rock something, or a well something, because this spot means something. It's a sacred place where God dwells, where he's among them. Uh, Jerusalem was the big place, because Jerusalem, they all saw God show up. As they were dedicating this temple for God, this is his space, his temple, a cloudy presence came in, which they all understood to be God because God had done that in the past. And God just came into the temple and dwelt there. So when you were in Jerusalem, you were in God's house. This was not just like any other place. This was sacred space where God more tangibly was. And that's something, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, God's everywhere. And I agree. He is everywhere. You have to understand from a biblical perspective, God is actually in a supernatural way, sometimes more present in some areas or more sensible in some areas than he is in others. Now, in the New Testament, sacred presence is what? It's you. You're the temple. Jesus doesn't. When Jesus goes into Jerusalem, he's not like, all right, so I've reinstalled God's presence here. Instead, the Bible tells us we are the temple where God dwells. And therefore, Since God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit should be able to do the things through us that he did through Jesus. For the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus. John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit come on Jesus. And it's after that moment that Jesus suddenly started walking and doing signs and wonders and power. Right? So if we have that same Holy Spirit living in us as sacred space, then we too should walk in in signs and wonders and power for the kingdom of God has been installed in us, not in Jerusalem. Now, Revelation talks about eventually the kingdom of heaven will be completely installed on the earth and the new Jerusalem will be made where God's presence is, but we're not quite there yet. Right now, we're in the in-between. So let's talk about healing because here's the thing. When Jesus gets to the sacred space of Jerusalem, they don't realize that God has finally walked into his city, right? They're expecting that cloud to come in They don't realize that Jesus is that cloud. In fact, they're so put off by God in flesh, by Jesus, that they kill him. They crucify him. They hang him on a cross. They give him capital punishment as an innocent man. But here's what's interesting. When Jesus shows up in Jerusalem, he still is healing. He still is taking care of the poor around him. He doesn't miss it. They catch his attention. And so here he is, he could go to this glorious, like to the top, to the throne, overthrow the nations and just be in charge. But instead, his eyes are still on the poor among him. And here's what we see. We already read this last week, but let's just focus in on a few verses again this week. 
Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And then this little verse that's just brief and then disappears. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Here's Jesus in the sacred space installing the kingdom by bringing it upon people in a healing kind of way. And this is not the first time in the Gospel of Matthew, as you know, if you've been with us for the last 30 weeks while we've been going through this book. Here's the deal. There's healings all throughout all the Gospels. Let's just hone in really quick just on Matthew alone, okay? So Matthew 4, 23, Jesus heals some people in Galilee. Then the word gets out. They're like, there's this guy named Jesus. He's healing. We we've we just seen a, a prophet, I think. So word gets out all throughout Syria, and then more crowds start showing up. Various diseases and pains, Jesus heals among the crowd, and it includes demonic oppression. The Bible actually sees being delivered of a demon as a healing of sorts. It's often phrased as they were healed from uh, a demon. And you'll see this more as we go throughout Matthew. Uh, But uh, demonic oppression is healed. Seizures are healed. Paralytics are healed. In Matthew 8, 1 through 4, leprosy is healed. It falls right off of a guy. How's that even work? What does that look like? I don't know. I don't know if I'm disturbed or if it'd be awesome. Matthew 8, 1 through 4, you've got leprosy again, or is that what I just said? Whatever. Leprosy again. Uh, Matthew 8, 5 through 13, Jesus heals a paralyzed man who's suffering, and he does it from a distance. If you remember the story with the centurion, he's like, look, man, I know that you can just, he's back at home. Can you just heal him from here? You don't have to come home, right? She's like, wow, what, what amazing faith. Yeah, I'll hear him, heal him from here. Just go home. He's healed now. So a paralytic guy, just imagine going home, and this guy who hasn't been able to walk forever is like, hey, welcome back. Jesus heals him from a distance. Obviously, he's got power, such amazing power, that he, this guy had the faith to understand just how, how amazing his power was. Matthew 8, 14 to 17, Jesus heals a fever. A fever. I love this passage. Why? Because I'm always waiting for a lady to get out of a wheelchair. I'm always thinking like, well, if God's going to show up, it's going to be pretty miraculous. And in this one, it's like, oh, you got a fever? Boop. All better, right? Even though it's a small, insignificant thing. Something that she'd probably get over. She'll be better. She's just got to go to bed for a little bit, right? But Jesus cares about even this minuscule thing and heals her of a fever. He also then, a crowd shows up at this place where he is. And he heals more people oppressed by demons. And it says all who were sick. Matthew 8, 28 to 34. A man with demons shows up. Now this one, I don't remember if this is technically uh, referred to as a healing. But like from our culture, we would see that this way. Because this man appears like he belongs in a mental hospital of some sorts. I mean, he's cutting himself. He's crazy. He's running around outside naked. The first thing we would do today is put someone dealing with all these things in a mental hospital but jesus shows up delivers him of demons and the man is then sane and in his right mind he's been healed do understand i'm not saying everyone in a mental hospital has demons i'm just saying you see these overlaps throughout the bible between sickness and demons sometimes 
Matthew 9, 1 through 7, Jesus heals a paralytic. Matthew 9, 20 to 22, a woman with 12 years of history of being sick. She's had this discharge of blood. She touches Jesus, and in a moment, she's healed. Matthew 9, 23 to 25, there's a girl. She's dead. You want the ultimate healing? So on one side, we've got Jesus touch a lady who has a fever. She's better. On the other side, we've got a girl who's dead, and Jesus is like, uh, she's fine. Just get up. <laughs> and the girl gets up. She's healed from death. Last I checked, that's not a thing you heal from. But Jesus pulls it off. Matthew 9, 27, 29, he heals two blind men. Matthew 9, 20, 32 to 33, a man with a demon. And this demon actually makes him mute. So it's not just science in this case. This man is scientifically mute because a supernatural demon has caused this. <laughs> Sometimes you see these overlapping themes. Jesus casts out the demon. Guess what happens? The man speaks. So you have this deliverance healing happen at the same time. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus empowers his disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers and cast out demons. Jesus empowered other people to do this. I love that Jesus looks at 12 guys who have just been watching him do all these things. He's like, okay, now it's your turn. <laughs> you know what? You want me to go pray for a fever? Got it. Sure, I'll do that. No, I want you to raise the dead. <laughs> What? Like it just, it bounced right out. You're like, there's no way you're serious. But he commissions the 12 disciples. Now it's your turn. Go out and do this. And they go out and do it. Matthew 12, 10 to 13. A man's got a withered hand and a man's got a good hand. And Jesus heals the withered hand and suddenly they both look the same. Not like he has two right hands, but like they're suddenly both good skin conditions. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus heals the sick. He didn't just feed these 5,000 people. He healed a bunch of them too. In Matthew 14, 34 and 36, Jesus heals the sick at Gennesaret. Matthew 15, 21 to 28, Jesus heals a woman's daughter who's oppressed by a demon. Matthew 15, 29 to 31, Jesus heals a crowd, including, just to name a few, lame, blind, crippled, mute, and many others. Matthew 17, 15 to 18, Jesus heals a boy with a demon, and this demon brings seizures upon him, often throwing him into water or into flames. Jesus casts out the demon. Seizures are now gone too. Again, the overlapping themes in this particular case. Matthew 20, 29 to 34. Jesus heals two more blind men, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Matthew 21, 14. 21, 14. Jesus heals the blind and the lame. And then finally, Matthew 28. Jesus kind of heals himself. <laughs> Just raises himself from the dead. Or the Bible talks about the spirit raises Jesus from the dead. But if you know your good Christian theology, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all the same. So Jesus is just like, ah, death, get out of my way. And then he just comes back to life again into a resurrected body and ascends into heaven. Now, I didn't talk about all the supernatural stories in Matthew. I only talked about the healing stories in Matthew. And the Bible writers are clear time and time again, like, this guy can do incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Nothing can hold him back. Not the wind, not the waves. He walks on the waves. He walks on the face of water. I mean, this guy can do anything. The only time actually where you see him struggle with healing people is in his hometown. Because as you know, oftentimes in your hometown, people don't really believe in you. You're not that special. You're that person, the next door neighbor. Everybody knows they change your diapers, things like that. It's just Jesus. It's just a carpenter's boy. So when Jesus comes home to heal people, it says that he could do no mighty work there. 
except he healed a few people. Which is a good day for us, but a bad day for Jesus, that he only healed a few people. But people's faith in him was not strong enough for him to be able to even probably have a conversation with them about healing them. Elsewhere he went, though, people had the faith to see what he would do. And Jesus showed up to the occasion. In fact, the Bible uses it often. It doesn't say like Jesus healed a few people other than his hometown. It usually says and Jesus healed everyone. He healed all the sickness. Now we know when the kingdom finally arrives, the full sacred place, the full Jerusalem, when God installs his kingdom on this earth, we'll all be healed. There will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more crying. So ultimately, that is ahead of us. But Jesus showed the kingdom shows up not just then. You can see glimpses of it right now. That if you should pray for people, they might be healed. And for a long time, I, I just didn't think that was possible. Or I didn't know that. What I thought was that I could pray for the doctor's hands, right? It's our favorite prayer. God, would you guide the doctor's hands? Would doctors get anything done without our prayers? <laughs> uh, guide the doctor's hands. That was like the, the prayer that you always prayed. Oh, someone's sick. I guess I would ask Jesus to do something, but he doesn't do that. The doctors can, though. So God, guide the doctor's hands. That's the way that a lot of us think. That's the way that I thought for a lot of my life until I got to college. And I've got this professor in front of me with probably several PhDs and doctorates. And suddenly one day he's not talking theology. He's just talking about the crazy stuff. (laughs) He's just like, yeah, well, we had this girl that we prayed for and she was sick with cancer. Young girl. She was going to die. And this family didn't know what to do. Finally, they just. They gave in. The church is the last place that they can go to. So they went to the church and we prayed for her. And when she went back to the doctor, the cancer was gone. And I remember I was sitting there in that that class and like, I think everyone else around me maybe tuned out. But I'm just like, what? (laughs) Like, look, I understand Jesus can cure leprosy. I understand Jesus can cure a fever. I understand Jesus can raise the dead. But cancer, I don't know why this is my thought process. Right? You can raise the dead, but Jesus could cure cancer. Come on. But that's the way that young Jamin was sitting in that class thinking. Cure cancer. You can't cure cancer. Doctors can't cure cancer. Even when they do, they're like, oh, who knows? It might come back. And so, like, for me, I'm just like, he saw someone healed from cancer after he prayed for it? What do I do with that? As I start to listen to him, he starts telling more stories like this. He's like, yeah, we were preaching at church one day back when I was a pastor and I'm preaching. And then this lady right up front just fell over and died. <laughs> Please don't do that to me tonight. I don't have it. I know it's a healing service. It's a good night to die if you want to die. But I would prefer that you just not do it. And he's like, uh, OK. And the way that he says it is. One of the guys in his church was like one of the top doctors in his hospital. He said he was basically house. If you ever seen a TV show, he was the house of his hospital. And he like comes over like, yeah, she's she's passed. So they call the ambulance and my pastor. I still don't know what you do. The pastor at the time, he's just walking around like, what do I do? And then he just says the weirdest thing. He's just like, Jesus, by the time that she gets to the hospital, she's going to be healed. And you know at that moment, he's like, why did I just say that? 
Because none of us expect, really, that that's going to be an answer that's followed through. But then he gets a call later that day to go visit her in the hospital because she's still alive. She's come back to life. And this doctor finds out, he's like, there's no way. I checked. She was clinically dead. There's no way that she's alive. I need to see this for my, my, own, my own understanding. And so he goes and sees this. I'm like, okay, these stories are just too crazy for me. Cancer, uh, raise people from the dead. What am I supposed to do with this? And so I start following him around, and he starts kind of showing me the ropes. I remember we went to the interface shelter. He was actually there this morning praying at the interface shelter for people. Um, and he's just, like, listening to the Holy Spirit. He's like, okay, I feel like somebody here uh, maybe has pain in their foot, their left foot. Is anybody here? Guy stands up. He's like, yeah, I got hit by a car, which a lot of you tell me happens to you. I don't know what's going on, but you got to look both ways before you cross the street, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's like every month someone's like, oh, yeah, I got hit by a car last week. What were we talking about? Okay, so person with uh, their foot. Gets up, he's like, yeah, I was hit by a car. He's like, all right, well, we come up, let's pray, because the Holy Spirit put this on my heart. They pray for him, and he's like, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel it anymore. I'm like, what? This is crazy. I just saw this happen in front of me. This is real. And so I start getting in the habit of praying for people. I look around for sick people, and I'm like, not super comfortable with praying for sick people. But guess what happens? I've seen God heal. Not a lot, I'll be honest. I haven't seen him like... As far as percentages go, <laughs> it's maybe a low percentage of people I've prayed for that have gotten healed. Though some of you in this room would admit that there's people in here who have prayed for you and you've been healed. Um, but yeah, yeah, and we'll, I'll tell that story in a minute. But you know why you have seen healing and you know why some of those people I've prayed for have seen healing? It's because I actually prayed. <laughs> it's because I thought it was a possibility that something might actually happen. The Jamin before this moment did not pray for people. He prayed for their doctors. The Jamin before this moment never thought that Jesus could show up and actually do something. And so he shied away from the possibilities. But now I was seeing it. Now my faith in the fact that this can happen was being awakened. I remember I was uh, with uh, my chapel band in college. And, and our violinist was just like, man, my foot hurts. So I was like, be healed. Just as a joke. Just as a joke. And he's like, dude. I think that worked. I was like, yeah. And then uh, one time I was out painting that big old tree in the parking lot. Not a tree in the park. I was painting a picture of a tree, not painting a tree. This is weird. I was painting that mural of a tree and I hurt my feet really bad going up and down this ladder all day in a pair of Toms. And when I got home. I've told this story before, but I'm like, man, I wish Jody would rub my feet. And so I'll just pray that Jody rubs my feet. Right. And God did not come through for that prayer. And so I decided, well, God, you could always do it. And in that moment, just, I just suddenly all the pain in my feet are gone. I'm like, that was a joke. Did you, I I pray for people all day. And the one time I'm, I'm joking is when you come through. So Here's what I've learned when we pray for you tonight. One, I have to joke about your healing for you to get healed. <laughs> Two, I have to pray for your feet because I'm only anointed for feet so far. So. <laughs> but this is what I start seeing. And I remember uh, this lady, she was talking about how like God told her that um, she was going to start heal- healing uh, blind eyes. And she's like, okay, Heidi Baker, if you've ever heard of her. You're like, okay, well, I- I'll pray for it. And 
she starts praying and, and she says the funniest thing. She's like, no one could see. I kept praying. No one could see. They all got saved, but no one could see. I'm like, well, <laughs> still going pretty good for you, I think. Uh, but then uh, one day after praying for, I think it was years, finally, blind people started being able to see. Or I think actually it was, I think it was deaf people starting to be able to hear. I don't know. Either way, this started becoming a tactic where she does ministry in Mozambique. They would go to different towns and they would say, is there any deaf people here? Obviously the deaf people wouldn't respond, but someone would find, <laughs> someone would find a deaf person and say, why don't you come up? We need to, she's asking for the deaf people. They bring them on stage. They would pray for their ears and they would open up. And they would start talking in their ears, repeat after me. And these people would repeat what they're saying, proving to the whole village, this person has been healed by Jesus Christ right in front of you. And the whole town will get saved. I was just at general conference for the Free Methodist Church. And uh, one of my pastor friends was telling me about a, uh, a guy who serves in Africa who just walked by us. He's like, yeah, they do the same thing. They go to this town. They say, bring us your sick. The people usually like... Get ready to kill them. They tie them up. They bring them in their house. And here they are ready to die. Like, no, bring us your sick. And they'll bring them the sick and then they'll heal them. And then they'll untie them and let them go. And, and they share the word of Jesus with everybody. This sounds crazy to us, but this is commonplace in the early church. And the only reason I think we don't see it a lot today is because We've traded in a supernatural kingdom-minded gospel for an enlightened theological-minded Bible. The two go together. You can think and still see God do things supernaturally that don't make any sense. I'm not even sharing the weird stuff with you. <laughs> There's weirder stuff, trust me. When God shows up, weird stuff happens. You can't put them in a box. It's, it's crazy. But we've seen healing happen here. Janice's voice, one time she lost it. She couldn't interrupt me in a message. <laughs> so she had to walk all the way to the front to interrupt me during worship. <laughs> She's like, Pastor, would you pray for my voice? I can't talk. All right, let me just keep playing guitar. And so I'm playing guitar. I'm praying for her. And she goes from, yes, Jesus, come, amen. Yes, Jesus, go, yeah, 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 God, yeah. And she's screaming. I'm like. Okay, y'all saw that, right? I'm not crazy. <laughs> Another time, she's like, I've got uh, a mass on my heart. So they found it, and I just need prayer because i got to put stents in. You all came together. You prayed, and guess what happened? She showed up a week later. She's like, they can't find the mass on my heart. It's called a mass. You don't just lose a mass, right? I wish I would lose some mass. <laughs> I've seen that too, actually. <laughs> I've seen more gaining mass, but uh, during one of our spiritual gifts class, I just mentioned one night, hey, uh, I've heard weird stories of people being healed of weight, just weight falls off of them. One of our people came back the next day and they were like, I lost 10 pounds last night and I don't know how. Like, like I said, come Lord Jesus, <laughs> I know your whole church, come. That's. The power of prayer. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God can do. And I know sometimes you, you, you're like me and you look at the percentages and you're like, ah, but it just seems so low compared to the amount of times. But when you focus on those small parts, what happens to you is not 
oh, I just won't pray because I never see it happen. What happens is I've seen it happen a few times, so I'm going to pray until I'm dead myself. And that is what I welcome you guys to do tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. So if you need healing, here's the good news. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, you guys got to wait in town until I send the Holy Spirit. Once he shows up, then you can go. Then you can go. In other words, like in my understanding, don't just go out and be a bunch of unspirit filled Christians trying to do this thing because this thing is the Holy Spirit's thing in the first place. So wait for the Holy Spirit to show up and then go do the same things that I've been doing. I'm not just doing these things for a temporary amount of time so that you can see it and be like, oh, that was cool. I'm doing these things so you can learn from me as he sends his disciples out to raise the dead. You can learn from me to cure all kinds of things that come about. I know it gets easy to focus on the hard stuff, but tonight, let's increase our faith and just pray for the good stuff. Yes. Let's see what God does. Amen? Amen. So Jared's going to come up and play some background music for us. Uh, Maisha and my prayer team members, Kathy, Joel, is there anyone else I'm missing? Yeah, Janice. Uh, we're going to spread throughout kind of the front up here. And please listen up. Jesus did not say, I'm ascending into heaven and I'm sending the Holy Spirit to your pastors. Okay? I know you guys like to get in line for the pastors. These people are just as empowered by the Spirit. So choose just someone. Get in any line. If you need prayer for healing, some of these people might even be sick themselves. (laughs) I love it when God heals people through sick people. It's just amazing to watch. But come and, and just receive prayer and see what God does. All right. So, let me pray for us as we start this off. And then, yeah, that looks good. Come, Jesus. We welcome you in this place. We long for your presence. God, we're not here to say... uh, that we can do this in our own power. We know we can't. We're humans. But we know your Holy Spirit lives inside of us and that he has power beyond power to do the things that you did, Jesus. So right now, we're just available for any who need prayer for healing, God. We just ask them to come up. And we ask for your Spirit to show up. Uh, And God, I pray uh, that you put on our hearts things that we need to pray for. That you are present in this time. Uh, And there may be tonight where you need prayer for rotted teeth. Um, If that feels like something you need prayer for, just come up and ask for it. It doesn't matter what you need prayer for. If Jesus can heal a fever... And death, he can heal anything. So we're just going to pray. We Uh, also tongue. If you need prayer for your tongue, you got something going on there. We'd love to pray for that. Uh, If our prayer team has any words throughout the night that they'd also like to pass on, just grab the mic uh, and they'll, they'll pass that along as well.